This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Dude, it was... It it was Rutgers, man. It was Rutgers. Next on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. Get it. Touchdown night again. Just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Kolodar at the five on his feet, touchdown Michigan! On his way, it's good! He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan, but Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number. And he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. win the championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and we're back with another episode this week of Michigan Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. So, the losing streak is over, I guess. But going to overtime against Rutgers kind of feels like you already lost. Now, now, hey, I'm glad they won. Right? There's only one time in my life, no, two times. There are two times in my life that I have actively rooted against Michigan because I thought Michigan, and therefore me as a fan, would be better off if we lost. The 2005 Alamo Bowl against Nebraska, where that team way underachieved to go 7-4, and four, and we were a double-digit favorite in that game, and I thought if we lost that game, it would compel some changes, and we lost, and I was right. The next year, Michigan started 11-0. And then the 2014 uh, Ohio State game, I still didn't believe Michigan was going to move on from Brady Hoke unless Ohio State absolutely embarrassed us. And thankfully they did. <laughs> okay, so other than that, I don't root against Michigan. And and I wanted us to win on Saturday night. 
And some good things happen. Like that guy, you know, next to me here in the photo you're looking at, Cade McNamara. I mean, he was sensational. He's the first Michigan quarterback since Denard Robinson against Ohio State in 2011 to account for five touchdowns in a game without any turnovers. Now, I know it was just Rutgers, but Michigan's played Rutgers every year since 2011, and no one else could do that. All right, so Cade McNamara was a revelation. The entire game changed when he came off the bench, and you have to really wonder... What were the Michigan coaches watching for the last few months? Because the level of effectiveness and his aptitude in the offense, I'm not saying it's superior uh, to Joe Milton's. I am saying, though, it is comparable of a boot to an ant. Uh, Just a dramatically different looking football team when he was in the game. Okay? So there were some good things, and I'm glad they won. But. Even before I get excited about Cade McNamara, remember John O'Corn coming off the bench against Purdue in 2017 and how excited we all were? And then there was the rest of that season with John O'Corn. Hey, if there's anything the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan has taught you, don't get excited. Don't. It, it's, it's kind of like what Mike Hart said about Michigan State that got us into 10 years of trouble with them. It's kind of like Michigan goes out of its way to get you all excited and then comes back and nut, cut, nut, nut kicks you there at the end. I mean, that's kind of what they do around here. So I'm not excited about anything. I'm, I'm glad they won. I'm not excited. I guess I don't blame college young men for celebrating a win. But watching Jim Harbaugh jump up and down over a missed field goal against Rutgers, I was just like, bro, it's Rutgers, man. Rutgers. And I, and I know they're not like now primordial lose. We are still talking about, from a program standpoint, the worst program in this conference since the Northwestern infamy of the early 80s. Many of you weren't even alive for the dulcet tones of Francis P. and Denny Green. It was Rutgers. Triple overtime against Rutgers. Rutgers. So I guess a win is better than a loss. What about when a win... When a win feels like a loss, like were any of you really like jumping up and down when they got the interception there to seal the game, or were you just like glad I can show myself at work Monday? Right? weren't you just like more relieved that at least Michigan spared you? Hey, if if we can't spare you, Ohio State naming the score every November, this ignominious beat down of your ego and Michigan fandom, not to mention your 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 T level. We'll spare you this. We'll spare you this indignity. That's what it felt like to me. Didn't feel like a win. Felt like a salvaging of whatever shred of dignity we had left. But hey, like Harbaugh said last week, it can always get worse. I mean We could be Penn State. So why should you consider supporting us on Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2,061 odds plus 
2061 odds or 21 to 1 odds that you might get a good return on your investment because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comments section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball and baseball we absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in major league baseball and we gave out those picks each and every day so if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash michigan podcast go there now and you can support what we do here at michigan podcast and then get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there. The hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you join their ranks and make a little money on the side. Maybe patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Well, let's get another perspective from our one and only reasonable Ohio State Buckeye friend, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. He's got a fantastic YouTube channel. If you are a college football fan of Michigan, Ohio State, or any team really around the country, Mark, it's good to have you with us again this week, brother. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. So, this Mark, is not the way this was supposed to be, Steve. We were supposed to be headed toward that big matchup at the end of the season. This is the way, you know, the 10-minute war, remember the 10-minute the 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 10-year war this is not how this is supposed to work what what big matchup at the end of the season are you talking about well you remember when you were a little lad yeah that was, that was back then yeah but michigan and ohio state is not a rivalry anymore hasn't been for several years and it's just not i mean it's it's a spectacle it's a tradition but it's it's not really a, a rivalry but um, nowadays, you know, like Joel Klatt's out there today commemorating the punt return that Desmond Howard, hello Heisman had against Ohio State back in 1991, because anytime you talk about Michigan football, you're going back 20, 30 years. That's every Michigan fan's favorite subject in school, brother, history. We're experts at it. But let's talk about the present, Mark. It was Rutgers, man. That's my analysis. I mean, I, I, I'm... I'm glad they spared me the uh, ignominious defeat so that whatever level of dignity as a Michigan fan I have left can be extracted from me here uh, against Ohio State, which frankly, I'm hoping that's a COVID game. Somebody, Somebody just report a contact. Somebody pull a full Florida State at Michigan. Just report a contact trace. And I was around everybody. Oh, shucks, can't play the game. Good luck to Ohio State uh, in Indianapolis. But uh, at least they spared me at least a salvage of dignity by not losing to Rutgers, man. But it was, that's my analysis, Mark. It was Rutgers, man. My analysis goes back to one of my favorite box scores in recent memory, and that's 78 nothing. And that was, again, a Michigan team that was really good, top 10 to 15 in the nation, but still underachieving, and a team 
likened to something that we expected to see this year, uh, Michigan underachieving but still being a capable top 10 to 15 team. Noah Vedrill came into this game with five touchdowns and seven picks. He is not a good Big Ten quarterback. He threw for 381, three touchdowns and a pick. Hassan Haskins, this is my guy. This is my favorite player on the team, maybe. I know that he's not an elite back, but he's a very capable back. Maybe by having the four running backs, Steve, that they just have ventured into that running back by committee and not let one of them just get a little lathered up and into the flow. And what we saw out of Hassan Haskins with 24 carries, I wanted to see a little bit more of that. There was a game a few weeks ago, I think it was the Wisconsin game, where he had one carry. Yeah. The special teams have not been no, good. Hold on. I, I got I to stop you right there, Mark. Are, are you saying that you wanted to see the guy who might have been Michigan's best running back last year? You wanted to see him carry the ball more? I'm a simple man. Just wanted to clarify that. Wasn't sure if that's where you were coming from. I mean, football's a, a complicated game. You know, we can't presume to know more than the coaches, Mark. Of course. Jim Harbaugh uses this uh, particular word that's a, that's a tremendous word when used within context. I just don't know how he's going to be held accountable. He's holding himself accountable each and every week when they get blown away, or in this case, win a game against a very inferior or what should be inferior. How does he do that? I mean, he's going to get up in the morning, he does like 20 burpees there, first thing out of bed. And Sarah looks at him and says, dude, what are you doing? He's like, hey, hold myself accountable. I mean, I'm, I mean, right? Does he, I mean, is he running suicides in the backyard? I mean, how does he do that? How does he hold himself accountable? What does that look like? That's what I'm wondering, because basically when it comes right down to it, what's going to be the accountability factor from the administration is if they keep him, they're recognizing his good work. And if they let him go, then that will be the ultimate accountability. There were some there were some individual good stories in here. You mentioned Hassan Haskins. They they finally let a running back get into a rhythm. The whole game changed when Cade McNamara came in. I mean, the whole energy of the game changed. I mean, he's the first Michigan quarterback since Denard Robinson against Ohio State in 2011 to have five touchdowns and no turnovers. And I know it was just Rutgers, but Michigan has played just Rutgers every year, and no one did that. You know, I mean, nobody did that against Ball State. That that ain't easy to do. Five uh, t- touchdowns with no turnovers. McNamara did it, and and you have to keep in mind that last week uh, he's not getting. I mean, you only get twenty hours, and if you know Michigan, man, they got people cutting practice off at nineteen fifty nine uh, fifty nine. That's how. I mean, Michigan. If Michigan will actually cut an hour a week from twenty hours a week, just so it can claim the moral superiority card over everybody else, we're only going nineteen because you guys hate your players. So we're only going nineteen hours a week in Michigan. All right. So Michigan doesn't cheat; it cheats itself, and then it's proud of it. That's the sanctimony at Michigan that we love. But um, uh, you know, McNamara wasn't in there getting a whole bunch of reps last week. Because you got to get Joe, if Joe Millen's going to start the game, you got to get him ready, particularly after what you saw the previous two weeks, right? So he had no spring ball. He was hurt all of last year. You may not know this as a non Michigan guy. Cade McNamara was a big time recruit offered by Alabama and Notre Dame, committed to Notre Dame, switched and came to Michigan. All right. Set every Nevada high school prep passing record. And that's where Tate Martell came out of that exact same state. Um, 
last year he was hurt with I think he had a, a, an ankle or a knee. He was in a boot most of the season, so he wasn't running. He wasn't running scout team last year. Mark, no spring ball this year. The whole competition was between Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton all off season. Which means when they finally got into camp, until Dylan McCaffrey opted out, they probably were leaving this kid alone. Maybe that helped him. I don't know. Uh, they they weren't there to, to to ruin him. But this kid wasn't there last year. wasn't running scout team. wasn't didn't have a spring practice. wasn't getting starters reps in practice while they're trying to prepare Joe Milton. And yet, this looks like a dramatically different offense, like JV versus varsity. Like Joe, I mean he, I mean. Dude, he looked like freaking, uh, uh, what's his face, Trace McSorley out there coming off the bench for Penn State a few years ago. What the hell were our coaches looking at for three months? I mean, we actually could run like RPO because our quarterback could do something other than pre-snap, throw it to this guy the most robotic fashion I possibly can. I, I mean, what did they do for three months, Mark? How did they miss this? Because it couldn't look any different. They must be taking their cues from Kirby Smart in Georgia is what they must be doing. Uh, I mean, wait till you're out of the playoff race and then you put your five-star transfer quarterback in to throw for 400? Is that what you're talking about? Something like that? That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Let's play the guy. Well, we all know that the best, most talented quarterback doesn't always win a quarterback battle, but it's at least got to be, they've got to be in the vicinity of the talent uh, evaluation. And Georgia went with the least talented guy out of four or five in the room. But back to Michigan, yeah, they did look like a completely different team. And as Jim said after the game, he had a heck of a game. And, uh, of course, Joe Milton, uh, his first four completions, he looked good. And then, man, he just fell off the map for about eight, nine straight attempts, just looked a bit lost and uh, started to misfire. And so... Now it looks like it's Cade McNamara's team. I would I would think that they can't be juggling these guys back and forth, even though I believe Harbaugh's not made a commitment verbally uh, to, to the media, to the public, that uh, they've got to go with McNamara the rest of the time. Can you tell me what they were watching for three months in practice and how the guy that started in third string had no offseason season? could look that much better than a guy they spent the entire offseason prepping to be the starter. Have you ever heard of... I mean, you have a vast amount of college football knowledge as your reference to the... You know, your, your, your reference to the Georgia situation indicates. Have you ever seen anything like this? Again, no scout team, no spring ball. He has not thrown the ball against live competition since his senior year in high school. And he comes off the bench in a Big Ten game. And I know it's Rutgers, but, I mean, this looked dramatically different. Have you ever seen anything like that? I have not, ever. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing comes to mind. I will give the disclaimer that some guys, I think this is quite rare, are practice players and other guys are ballers. They're gamers. They get out there. Because he should be playing against, yeah, a, a top-level defense at different levels, whether it be the first team, the second team, or the threes. There should have been plenty of reps from all the quarterbacks, even going back to Dylan McCaffrey, to, to get an indication of who does what well. And he seems to make the better decisions and the better reads. 
Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, I, I don't have a, an ana analogous situation to it. I, I cannot come up with it outside of the, the Georgia situation. We could certainly dice that up for, for quite some time. Where last year JT Daniels was hurt, right? People forget he beat Caden Slovis out for that job last year. Blew yes. out his knee, so he had no offseason. He had no spring ball. But we had seen him play, and he was considered the, the number three quarterback prospect in the country behind Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence that year. Cade McNamara was a solid top 200 prospect, four-star guy, but this wasn't some kind of elite 11 finalist, no-brainer recruit, right? So, I mean, I, I've just never heard of such a thing. I don't know how it's possible your coaches could have missed that. That much of a difference. I mean, they were running a different offense. A different offense. I mean, they, they were running like a, a, an actual RPO offense, trusting the quarterback to make the reads within, you know, a live uh, game situation, as opposed to a very robotic pre-snap Joe throw the ball here with Joe Milton. How could you not have recognized in three months of, because keep in mind, we've been going to camp. Michigan never stopped practicing since middle of June. Lots of other programs shut down. Michigan just went the entire time. So, I mean, they've been looking at these guys the whole time. I, I don't know how it's possible they didn't recognize that one guy was just that much better than the other guy. Now, some of it is the confidence that Milton has lost. But even go back to the first game against Minnesota we were all raving about. It did not look anything like what Cade McNamara looked like the other night, Mark. Nothing like that. Did they become that enamored with the arm talent that Joe Milton has? Yeah. Even though... I think that that's slightly overrated. Of course, you have to have a capable arm. You need to make, I don't even want to say all the throws at this level, but most of the throws, and it, it helps to be able to make all of them to be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and there are other guys out there that have the arm skill to do it. And when I say arm talent, not just talking about strength, but being able to put the touch on it, know the trajectory of the throws, mm -hmm. and be able to make all the throws, not just have the velocity and the arm strength to get the ball there, 30 yards across the field or 60 yards downfield. Maybe they fell in love a little bit too much with Joe Milton's just sheer velocity on the football. That would be on brand for Michigan in the Harbaugh era. All sizzle, little substance, right? Um, Joe Milton looks like he's out of central casting, but you're also talking about a guy that, as you mentioned a few weeks ago on our show, has never, never passed or completed more than 50% of his passes in high school. And yeah, I know the high school receivers weren't good, but if you're that talented, I mean, shouldn't you just dominate people, right? I mean, if anything, maybe your completion percentage should actually be inflated in that kind of a situation. But let's talk about the other side of the ball. A lot of injuries there for Michigan. I mean, the defense is just decimated. But remember how the 2016 recruiting class is really what ended Mark D'Antonio's run at Michigan State? That class was just decimated mainly because of off-the-field problems, assault investigations, criminal matters. That was his most decorated class, and it was a complete and total washout. Well, the 2017 class is going to do that for Jim Harbaugh. Um, and, and what you're seeing now on defense with injuries is in a lot of... I mean, we're, we, 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 were, we were playing two walk-ons as starters down the stretch against... Uh, against Rutgers, one at middle linebacker, the other or at will linebacker, the other at uh, at free safety. There is no bridge class, and so you have the guys that are already well established, and then after that, 
it's a bunch of guys that <clears throat> largely have not played because of what happened with that 2017 class. Um, they got to move on from Don Brown, don't you think? It, it's pretty obvious. He's a one-trick pony. It's a good trick, but if you don't, if you don't clearly have better talent than the teams around you, and you can't play man-to-man on everybody, then you're just going to get destroyed. And we're watching that play out every single week now. So according to you, they had one recruiting class that in terms of the rankings was was wherever they were ranked. We know that they've always been in the top 10 to 15 under Harbaugh. He did have one down class. But anyway, if the 17 class has fallen apart, then yes, that even more so underlines the Don Brown approach to defense and coverage is not going to work with the players that we've seen. We've seen them clearly been burned and beaten by, I, I see three issues in the secondary. So the breakdowns from the defensive backs come from blown coverages where there's not communication, there's missed assignments, and there's just blown coverages. But more so I see it from a talent perspective, either that from the, the, the times in which they're able to stay with the receiver, that individual stays with the receiver, they can't find the ball, they don't break up the pass, they get outmaneuvered for the ball. Or they just get flat out burned, toasted by three to five yards down the field on a fly route. We saw that multiple times against Michigan State. Uh, so, yeah, Don Brown, if, if he can, is that incapable or unyielding to changing and adjusting his defensive approach, yes, I think sometimes you have to get away from, okay, the, the, the tried and true, and, and we're going to continue in this way to, yeah, we're going to take a bit of a risk, but we know what the expectations are. We know that to, to cross this hurdle – we have to, yeah, cut ties with some old friends. So from an Ohio State fan's perspective, what scenario are you more concerned with when it comes to Michigan? That they move on from Harbaugh this offseason. They're not going to fire him, but maybe they agree to an amicable divorce. They move on from Harbaugh and they go get, I don't think there's any chance Luke Fickle's coming here. He's too much. He's too Buckeye. And it's not the same thing. Well, Bo was Woody's, uh, you know, offensive coordinator. Yeah, but he didn't play at Ohio State. Wasn't Ohio State born and bred. He was Woody Hayes born and bred. He played for Woody at Miami of Ohio and then coached for him at Ohio State. But he wasn't a full-fledged Buckeye. Luke Fickle is. So I don't see that happening. So what what scenario would concern you more? That Michigan moves on from Harbaugh and 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 coaxes Bob Stoops out of semi-retirement or hands the reins to a, another Ohio native in a Matt Campbell at Iowa State, somebody like that, or that they stick with Harbaugh but then demand that he do what Brian Kelly did in 2016 and they broom much of the coaching staff. All right, They, they terraform that so that they don't lose because this incoming recruiting class is really good they got a really good start on next year's class so they don't they don't lose a five-star quarterback in jj mccarthy you keep ed warner your offensive line coach that everybody considers is one of the best in the business you probably keep josh gaddis because you just don't want to go through another offensive overhaul when you're in a pivotal year right you don't want to do that and maybe you keep mike zordich who's been a good corners coach everybody else is gone um and 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 you sell that to your fans, right? They were kind of doing the Brian Kelly reboot plan that worked so well since then at Notre Dame the last few years. Which of those scenarios for you as an Ohio State fan would you be the most concerned 
with Michigan going down uh, as a path. Prior to 2019, I would have stated Jim Harbaugh is the right guy for this job. And as an Ohio State fan, I want him to leave because he's doing good things and he will get over the hump. We have seen indicators that the program's in the right direction. 2019, I started to waver on that, especially when I saw the two teams on the field again for a second consecutive blowout. And now that we're in 2020 and I see the the program, I don't want to say falling apart. I think that that would be a little bit, a little too heavy handed, but certainly going in the wrong direction. I think the Brian Kelly analogy is very interesting because you've got two powerhouses with similar brands, similar traditions, similar approaches to academics versus football. And yes, Brian Kelly also had a very similar track record and resume and winning percentage to Jim Harbaugh prior to 2016. He was, sure, they went to the 2012 championship game, but they weren't that good. They were winning their 70, 75% of the games, and most people were not necessarily feeling that Brian Kelly was a championship coach. But then they get the 2016 4-8. and eight. He is forced into the decisions you outlined. And I would think that most people would say that Brian Kelly's on an upward trajectory at Notre Dame. Um, Mark Richt could have been corrected in some of his mis- his misgivings at Miami and been in a good place right now uh, based on some of the decisions that would have been taken out of his hands. I would say that, um, that that's, that's, a, that's a tough call. I believe that Jim Harbaugh should be retained for 2020 and 2021 should be a hot seat win or else year. And I believe that it's been proven that he needs to be forced to make staff changes. Absolutely. Mark Rogers. Great stuff, my friend. Always good to see you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. Take care. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. So why should you consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Michigan podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2,061 odds plus 2,061 odds or 21 to 1 odds that you might get a good return on your investment? Because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comment section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball, and baseball. We absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in Major League Baseball, and we gave out those picks each and every day. So if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast, go there now and you can support what we do here at Michigan Podcast. And then get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there. The hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you join their ranks and make a little money on the side. Maybe patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you your thoughts on the win over Rutgers. 
Did you think it saved the season? Only 6.5% of you, thank God, said yes. 39% of you were, hey, I'm glad they won, but come on, man, it's Rutgers. 54.5% of you said, still fire everyone. There it is. There it is. Hey, man, let's go back in time. Let's jump in the DeLorean and hop back into December 30, 2014. The date Jim Harbaugh is hired. And if I would have told you in year six, we're playing multiple walk-ons on defense and sweating out triple overtime wins over Rutgers and had never beaten Ohio State, won a Big Ten title, or even made it to the Big Ten championship game. If I would have told you that is what the next six years of your life as a Michigan fan was how was how that was going to end up. If I had told you that on December 30th, 2014, you would have said what? What you talking about, Willis? That's what you would have said. Get thee to a nunnery, Ophelia. Uh, get a crack pipe. This guy needs tested, right? I mean, except that's that's where we are. If you vote for me, I will make all your dreams come true. Let's get to this week's question of the week. Why does Don Brown still have a job? That question is from literally every Michigan fan. Literally every single one. I We asked them all. All 10.37 million. And they all said this. Why does defensive coordinator Don Brown still have a job? Well, you know. Meritocracy. Enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. We're Michigan, right? Those are the answers we get around here. When they actually stoop to giving we the people answers, because often Michigan feels as if it doesn't have to, that it's it's always smarter than us. And so when we want to know what, what kind of cornerback recruiting is this for three years for a team that wants to play man-to-man defense, oh, you don't know. You don't know what you don't because you believe you know more than the coaches. I mean, come on. Well, then this year happens, right? Why, why, why didn't we take a defensive tackle in the recruiting class? Well, I mean, I mean, why would you would you presume to know more than the coaches? Ah, I mean, typical Michigan fans. Outrageous! Just, just a level of just stupidity and arrogance. Then you just watch everybody just run the ball right down our throats, right? Yeah. In fact, can you think of one negative Michigan fan trope? That hasn't been proven true. I mean, they've sadly all been confirmed and fulfilled. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of It Was Rutgers, man. Or otherwise known as Michigan Podcast. We will be back at it again next week discussing a scintillating game against winless Penn State. Did I mention Penn State was winless? Did I bring that up in this podcast? Penn State, winless. Winless Penn State. Anyway, that is Michigan's next opponent. We'll see if they remain winless, but they are certainly winless at Penn State right now.
Right. Uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in here on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube. Whether it is a like, a five star review, a share, a thumbs up, uh, money, wh- whatever you can do to support the program on those various platforms, please do so, especially the money part. And thanks to all of you that have done those things already. Keep that support and that sharing and that like and subscription clicking going on. Thank you very much. In all seriousness, though, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Basketball is getting started. I think we're going to have a good team. We're recruiting the heck out of uh, out of uh, the next couple of classes, so things are looking bright on that front. And um, and get together with your family members if you're healthy and they're healthy. Right, if you're sick, stay home. But if you're healthy and they're healthy, no reason at all to not get together and give thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Go blue. I'm Steve Dix.